0: So listen, uh, the reason you come to Callister, I'm guessing, or part of the reason, and not to a place that, I don't know, meets inside. <laughs> part, part of why you come back is for these weirdly awkward, legitimately authentic moments of sharing life together. I mean, we're sitting out in the cold and the wind, loving each other, and letting each other just be filled with doubt. And I'm so grateful to be part of that, right? Like, I will leave feeling like I'll make it through this week because of this moment, right? Like, worship is not just feeling great when I'm singing to God. Worship is like just coming and being reminded of what my life's supposed to be centered on like we all worship something something centers our life something structures gives it meaning and purpose and for most people it's things that ultimately destroy them like power or money or youth or beauty or talent or athleticism or entertainment or sexuality or whatever it is the thing that centers or organizes your life is what you worship and when I come and experience these kinds of things this community we care about each other, love God, this is what structures our life and so worship like becomes this thing that actually provides hope with no answer, this is what's so bizarre I will leave with no more answers than when I showed up and yet I'll have this much more hope and support and this is how Jesus teaches, this is like part of the book Jesus' is the question is that people leave walk away from Jesus with a lot of times no more answers than when they met him or they encountered him, but he somehow refocused their life, structured it along a different path, forced them to reflect. And so this is about Jesus asking 307 questions in the Gospels, asking 307, only directing, directly answering three of them. There's something profoundly important about questions. And so... I challenge you again this week to ask yourself hard questions. So this is the week where you might ask yourself questions like, why do I react this way? Why am I so angry? What makes me feel anxious? <laughs> why when I feel anxious do I immediately eat something <laughs> or look at my phone? Right? I mean like instead of trying to answer What if you spent a week just really at night or in moments of reflection asking yourself those kinds of questions? And as always, please send me the questions that you have. So I'm trying to compile them to structure future sermons. So Jesus asks a lot of questions. It seems to be important. And today's question comes from Matthew 6. So hear these words. They should be familiar to you. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather gather crops into barns. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? Here's the question. Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you? You people of weak faith... Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for these things. God knows that you need them. Instead, desire first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Those are powerful words, but I'm going to be honest with you. Here's my response. When I read those words, I feel like when Kel tells me to calm down. (laughs) Like it makes me more like, really? Like, hey, why are you so angry? Calm down. And it's like it just makes me more enraged or... Hey, why are you so stressed, man? Just chill out. Like, uh, real, oh, oh, just stop worrying, or oh, just just chill out. Like, of course, I would love to just not feel anxious or not feel stressed or not feel anger, but I can't help it. I, it it's a, I just feel it. And so when someone says not to feel something, you can't help but feel. It's like a very frustrating thing. So Jesus saying not to worry, that's tough. And, and the context, right, Jesus is talking to a group of people where, the average life expectancy is like 35. You've got a repressive government, like Herod was killing kids when Jesus was born. I mean, this is a really tough environment. Oh yeah, don't worry. I mean, he's talking to a bunch of poor people roaming around Galilee. Yeah, thanks, Jesus, okay, no problem, I won't. Don't worry, <laughs> the birds of the air are beautiful, or whatever, right, but that I don't know why, that, like, who cares about the stupid bird? Like, I, I'm poor, I'm hungry. And so there like I, w- I wish there was some kind of response. Like I, I like as a philosopher I always want like argument and response. And my response is okay, how? How am I supposed to just not worry about things? We have to take this seriously though, right? Of course it's Jesus, that's one reason. Uh and also, he spends more time talking about worry. This is, the, this is the longest Jesus talks about any human emotion. He talks about a lot of emotions, but never at this length. More verses are dedicated to worry than fear, shame, anxiety, Right, all these things. Like it, This gets the, the key. More, if Jesus is going to focus here, given all the human emotions, jealousy, we should take this into account clearly worry is a huge human problem. In fact, right, the 20th century has been dubbed excuse me, the 21st century has been dubbed uh, sort of the, the century, the generation of anxiety. So more people deal with anxiety and depression now, right, are diagnosed more frequently. This is a common issue in the first world. Stress, workaholism, I mean this is the age we are in. It's like Jesus knew something, it's like worry was going to be a problem. The old English root of the word worry is wargan, old English. I wish I could speak it. Wargan, like that just feels like it would be wargan. It means to strangle. Uh-huh. Wait for it. But the worry, right, this is what we're, so Oregon is like to strangle, like the, like the worry literally is like suffocating, right? It feels oppressive. It feels like a weight. My, my counselor always says like, why don't you stop for a minute, Joe? That's interesting. Close your eyes. Where do you feel that? It bothers me at the beginning. Like I would get so mad because like I'm in the middle of telling you, no, no, no. Where do you feel it? I was like, I don't know what you mean. Well, I don't know. Is it, is it in your sternum? Do you feel it on your shoulders? And I would literally have to stop and think, like, where does my worry or my stress, where do I feel it in my body? But it was, it was very powerful to recognize that because I can feel it now when it like, starts to rise. To strangle. Oh. Here are some interesting quotes about worry that I found uh, provocative. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. It's true. Winston Churchill, he's got some good ones. When I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who sat on his deathbed that he had had lots of trouble in his life, most of which never happened. (laughs) Worry gives small things a large shadow. The greatest mistake you can make in life is continually fearing that you will make one. But I think my favorite was Martin Luther. So Martin Luther, the famous like 95 Theses guy, right, back in the day, Protestant Reformation. He was prone to worry, uh, and his wife, uh, during these bouts of stress, anxiety, and worry, would say, have you, have you heard, Martin? I don't know. God is dead. And he would say, what? She's like, well, you, re- you realize worry is nothing more than atheism. I don't know. If Kel did that to me again, it would be like, it would be worse than her telling me to calm down. <laughs> but the idea is, right, like if you have faith, if you really, if you trust God, then what is there to worry about, right? If God really does have the whole world in God's hands, then what do we, where, the anxiety is a sense in which we doubt God. And last week, the question was about faith, and there seems to be some connection here between worry and faith, worry and doubt. But the more I'm connected to God, the more I not just believe in God, but can trust God, the less worry and anxiety I have Looks like an inverse correlation but here's the problem and this is where I'm going to address and I I hope even in the midst of the wind and whatnot that you'll be able to hear these words I think that they might help but For me, the problem is I don't ever choose to worry. There's never a point where I make a pro con list and then I say, yes, worry seems like the right option. Like that's not how it works. I don't choose it. It happens to me. I don't know how to stop something that is a natural response to the world, right? Like how do I stop feeling something that occurs when I look at my bank statement? or when I look at my to-do list on Monday, or when I look at my email inbox, or I think about all the things that are happening in the lives of the congregants, worry just happens. And I assume it happens to you. And so, here are three things that might help us to wrestle with this idea of worry and its very natural existence in our lives. So number one, emotions only have power over you. If you do what they tell you to do. Emotions only have power if you do what they tell you to do. Most of the addictions in our world, most of the horrible decisions I've made and you make, the patterns in my life that are not great, are because I listen to my emotions and I do what they tell me. I do what anxiety tells me. I do what fear tells me. I do what anger tells me to do. And the moment I decide to listen to them, I give them power. But if I could feel it, and DJ said this beautifully, if you can just feel it and sit in it and not do what it tells you to do, then it becomes powerless. I'm not sure faith is about not worrying. I think faith is not acting on my worry. Faith is feeling it and saying, but I'm not going to do what it's telling me to do. That's really hard, right? That takes a lot of just slowing down and being present to how you feel recognizing it's happening and saying, but I'm not gonna listen. I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna act and live differently. As a parent, this is really difficult because my worry makes me want to control every moment of my kids' lives because I'm scared something's gonna happen. Like in my mind, Sullivan is one day away from joining a gang and selling drugs. And like, right, that that feels real to me, so what I want to do, but all I'll do is literally strangle his independence. I will suffocate him with my love. And so I have to be able to feel it and not live it. Can you feel worry and not act on it? Two, feelings and emotions can be real without being true. So when I feel concerned, when I feel like Sullivan's going to join a gang and leave me, The feeling I have is real. It's a a physiological response in my body. My anxiety about him. Or about my marriage. Or about my job. But it's not necessarily true. In other words, it doesn't correspond to reality. The emotion is real. I have to take it seriously. It's happening to me. But it's not true in that it doesn't map. It It doesn't equate. It's way out of balance. Like getting angry in traffic is real, but the level of anger does not correspond to the stimulus. So Kel has gotten used to saying something and I love it and it might help you. She says, what evidence do you have for that? What evidence do you have? So just the other day, Kel's like, yeah, so there's this girl in my class, she really hates me. So she stops, she says, whoa, 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 what do you mean? I don't know, she doesn't like me. She says, what evidence do you have? He was like, I don't know, she doesn't really talk to me. It goes, oh, so then she talks to like a lot of the other kids in school. Well, no, she's pretty shy. Oh, oh, okay. So she doesn't really talk to anybody. Does she hate everybody? Or might, maybe is she shy? Like, what evidence do you have for the feeling that she doesn't like you, right? Almost none. What evidence do I have that my son's going to join a gang? None. You're right. The evidence doesn't exist. So the feeling can be real without it being true. And the only way to distinguish that is if I slow down enough. think about it and to ask myself these questions and this is what jesus does in the sermon so he says you worry right but what evidence do you have for worrying look at the birds look how beautiful look at the lilies of the field if god takes care of such things won't god take care of you so you can feel it but just know that it doesn't map to reality your worry is primarily illusory third all of the work that we do on our emotional life is indirect. Because I don't control my emotions, they happen to me. If I'm going to get a handle on them, all the work is not... It's the same as like if you're a coach and you want to win games, all the work is indirect. You don't just go and show up and say, I choose to win. That's not a choice you can make. I can't say choose not to worry. It's why I get mad at the way Jesus phrases it. Right? like, thanks, Jesus. Just telling me not to worry doesn't help. I can't choose that. But what you can do is do the work all week long at practice to set yourself up to win. It's indirect work, right? It's conditioning. It's teamwork. It means that all of the work in your emotional life is figuring out what does it look like to reconnect to God that I might cultivate faith and worry less. It's about prayer. It's about connecting through scripture. It's about going to counseling. It's about getting the help you need. It's about connecting with friends and getting to share things out loud with people that love you, like what I just got to do. It is doing those things. It is doing the indirect work on a daily and weekly and monthly basis. It's doing those little things. But over time, I realize, oh, I am more connected to myself. I'm connected to God. And I worry less. In the moment, I can't choose to stop worrying. It's in my cool states of reflection where I can put new patterns in my life to change my future. Does that make sense? Like, the time to work on your anger is not when you're in a rage. (laughs) Like, that's not the time to start working on it. The time to start working on anger is months before when you start learning how to have more patience. Slow yourself down. React less. And the more you can practice it, the better control you get. It's the same with worry, or any of our emotions. So my prayer is that you might begin to engage your worry in strategic ways, not when you start to have a panic attack. That's not the time to worry about it. The time to engage your anxiety and worry is today when you start engaging God in the ways that fill your soul, engaging in things that start to alleviate that stress, Right? participating in the kind of self-care that allows you to navigate your worry well, so that you can feel it and then not do what it tells you. I can tell you that, uh, that this week I've, I've failed. Right? I'm, I'm talking about a subject that I've just been utterly miserable at. Like, I have allowed it to consume me. I'm, I've allowed it to make it so that I have not been present with my kids. I've been sitting with my kids, not with them. Like I'll laugh in a response, but I, I didn't hear what they said. I just know that it, I'm supposed to laugh now. Have you ever been like that where you're so here that you're not even... Like my, my level of worry has completely robbed me of whatever moments of joy there might have been because I was in my head and I wasn't in my body. I wasn't with my family. I wasn't, I wasn't with my students. So this is confession that all I can do now is be aware that that has happened to me and then ask myself, well, what would it look like to put different patterns in my life so that doesn't happen next week? So that when I feel it, I can let it go. It doesn't control me. Let's pray. Lord, I am grateful for this place, for this community, and I am grateful for Your love. And... My prayer is that all of us might slow down our lives, that we might simplify our lives, that we might become aware of what we're feeling when we feel it, and that we might hand that over to you. That we might engage our emotional life in ways that recognize what we feel is real, but it doesn't have to control us. That the more we fill our lives with good things, things that fill our soul, the less worry we experience and feel. We're going to need your grace and your love and your courage on this journey, Lord, to becoming fully human. And that's our prayer, that your spirit be poured out this day. Amen. If you would please stand for our closing song.